So meditation and movement, movement and stillness. Our lives are mostly about movement, movement of mind, movement of body, movement of emotions, movement of inclinations, uh, movements associated with relaxing, movements are associated with activating uh, over-movement, movements associated with rushing, pressure, uh, physical and mental. Uh, mental movement, the mind is pushing, shoving, rushing, desperate, hurried, uh, feeling haunt, feeling hounded, feeling driven, as if something is chasing it, we've got to keep running. Mm. Movement, what moves you? Mm. What is the mover? What does, what pushes and what is the pushed? What is the mover? What is the mover? What is the moved? <coughs> Who are these? Mm. How do they arise? Mm. Since our life is mostly about movement, it's good to you know, really investigate, open to that, steady that, practice with that, uh, purify that of uh, sluggishness or restlessness, agitation, or just or, or ignorance. Mm. So often, med- you know, meditators are often trying to get still. Therefore, movement becomes a problem. Mm. But um, you know that that that's a notion. Stillness. Mm. We got because we most of our movements are chaotic, uh, void of grace and smoothness, uh, and our mental movements are driven or flustered or spinning, so we want to stop it. Mm. So then this movement of mind comes up, the movement to try and stop something, keeps pushing and quiet and holding things down. That's another movement, the movement called in- intention. Mental movement is associated with intention, volition, aim, directive, direction, purpose, uh, that which activates chitana. It's one of the primary sankara, karma formations, because in that volition, in that intention, in that aim, there's the seeds of karma. That is, uh, we aim in accordance with our notions, our perceptions. Mm. And often that aim is conditioned, so it's an inherited condition, karmic, old karma, and it generates new karma. It's as we act, as the mind acts, it pushes that into the body, into the speech, into the attitudes, and that process continues. So what is it that moves us? These are often so uh, 
embedded, we don't really realize what they are. We're just getting something done, that's all. We look into, you know... Now, when you're in the business model, which begins at the age of two and a half, (laughs) then the... Getting things done is generally, uh, you know, get things done. There's a certain drive to it. It's not about appreciating the quality of experience. It's about arriving at an end result. It's not about, you know, being still and handling the qualities of feeling and uh, emotion and what we're doing. It's about getting to an end result. So that that root perception becomes established. Don't just play around aimlessly, wasting your time. Get on to something more purposeful. Learn, you know, even sport. You know, keep raising the bar. You know, get those aims up there. Set out a program, a plan to, you know, get up. Even losing weight, you know, that becomes another work project. You've got to lose so many pounds by the end of the month. So. <laughs> build up so much muscle or you know it's all that isn't it everything gets aim 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 and we think well of course that's you know that's what but you investigate the nature of aim what's it aiming for (laughs) essentially what it's, it's aiming for Fulfillment, happiness, being appreciated by others. It's only aiming some kind of warm, contented, achieved experience. Right? Some sense of, yeah, I, you know, I, I ran the race, I did really well, I'm happy. You know, I did my job, I feel really well, I'm happy. Uh, you know, I did this and the other and people liked it, I'm happy. And, you know, maybe even a bit of taint in there, I'm the best. (laughs) I'm wonderful, you know. But perhaps not, perhaps just at least I'm not getting blamed for being lazy or sluggard. You know, people aren't looking at me with scorn or contempt as, you know, or she's a has-been or she's too fat or he's too lazy or she's stupid. You know, I, I'm not at least not seen with ill will, so that can be there, can't it? That, that drive. At least I'm behaving in accordance. So my 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 mother, my neighbours, my schoolmates won't jeer at me, won't point the finger of scorn at me. So that kind of driving that could be in there, can't it? These are the forces, uh, you know, pushing. They're not very oh, so. Having coming from those places with those seed perceptions, to what extent is it possible to arrive at a place of feeling warm and contented? Yeah. In a loving, warm, contented, fulfilled state. Because if the seeds of the motivation are contaminated with fear, panic, you know, whatever, competition, egotism, then that 
flavor, that taint, runs through the whole process of what we do and it also is there in the, in the end result. Yeah. It still carries, that's the nature of karma. As you, you know, very simply, as you sow, so you will you reap. And it's really to do with this root quality of where the intention arises from, where the jetana takes its cue, yeah, conduct, you know, where, where the jetana gets its cue from, and that flavor, that color, that taint, goes into the action, and it's right there in the end result. So we have da 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 da, done the thing, uh, finished our work, and then this could have done better. Better do it again. Uh, you know, I got approval from so and so, so and so, so and so, but she didn't look so happy. We notice, you know, if we're coming from anxiety, we notice the person who might not have appreciated it, or was jealous or annoyed. Yeah. So then we get, still get that. Then you get the agitation. Then perhaps even well, I got to do better next time because I did get a good result. So I've got to make sure I don't slip from that standard. So the anxiety, the pressure remains nestled, even in the in the results. And when it, you kind of come to pausing, there's that background sense not good enough because. That's where you started from. <laughs> and we thought by doing something, we would get to be good enough. But as long as you carry the seed flavor of not good enough, <laughs> that's what you end with. Hmm? Now you might be always saying, yeah, but surely I'm not good enough. I mean, I did have to learn to read, write, you know, ride a bicycle and so forth, you know. But couldn't there be something that's just about a- aspiration to, for, to, you know, to realize to move into something? We're curious, interested, well, this would be nice. You know, applying oneself with a feeling of play, which is you actually are in the quality of the experience. Yeah. You're in the in the doing of the experience, not in the end result, but in the doing of what we're doing, there's a sense of this is how the mind works, this is how the body works, it's doing this, it's you know, and we're we're interested in that. There's a sense of value in process rather than in result. Yeah. So then, you know, even the notion of result is very questionable. The notion of result is very questionable. Who judges it? If the one who wasn't good enough judges it, it will not be good enough. (laughs) Right? (laughs) If the one who is coming from a place of play and isn't this interesting, does it? They'll get to the end and think, well, that's interesting, isn't it? (laughs) There's a sense of light, liveliness, life, humor, warmth. And that's what we wanted, maybe. Yeah. And the most important person to receive approval from is yourself. (laughs) The rest of it, who knows, you know? 
I mean, you can see that in most in any, you know, actions that, that you see kind of works of art that people thought was ghastly. And then the painters died and they find out it was marvellous, you know. <laughs> Fantastic, groundbreaking, beautiful, stunning. And when he did it, or she did it, it was considered a travesty, horror. You know, so incomprehensible, babbling poem that people thought was madness. And then ten years later, it's a work of genius. And then fifty years later, people have forgotten it. <laughs> so, what was that, <laughs> Yeah, so the, the judgments, the assessments are very subjective, aren't they? So who do you imagine? Who is judging? And of course we can project that out and other people can judge, but even if they hadn't said anything, do you get that sense of who, who, is, who is assessing that? Uh, and not who, but what quality of mind assesses that? Let's get down to it. What quality of mind assesses actions? Uh, and feel that. Is that uh, something you trust or feel comfortable with? Uh, is it uh, loving acceptance? Is it uh, clarity or is it tainted? Mm. And we begin to really understand some of these karma processes. And movement, because karma is movement, it does move. It's beginning, origin, activation, result. That's a movement, movement of mind. So, what is stillness? <coughs> Stillness is of several kinds. One is the stillness means one doesn't add more. There's just an openness to the experience of movement. There's an openness around the experience of movement. So most um, you know, example of this is say we, we are feeling the body walking, experiencing the different sensations and feelings and shifts as the body walks, the mind is quite still open to that. Curious, how is this? Just listening, sensing, open to it. Mind is quite still. Maybe not completely still, perhaps, you know, resonating. Open to the experience of movement. And for this, so in this example, what has happened? The mind's drive to understand, to get a result, has quietened down. The chitana of the mind has become dispassionate and even ceased, stopped. There's stillness. Is in, not in, you know, nothing happening nothing going on, but in the stillness of the chitana, the volitional experience around that. This volitional experience would most normally be resulting in verbalization. So that's where the the mental volition, uh, which starts as a kind of stirring in the heart of 
uncertainty or uh, disorientation or don't quite know what to do or trying to get it right there's this stirring in the heart and then that stirring generates thought oh, do I try, what am I doing this that's it, correct, what did he say I'm supposed to do this, it's a foot oh, what's she doing and it just starts spinning around you know? and then comes back to you're not getting anywhere you're not, you're not supposed to be more concentrated you're actually going too, slow, too fast slow down, slow down, you're doing too fast that's it that's better now. Wait a minute. What's my arm is supposed to move, is it? Or the shoulder, leg? And what did he say? I'll move back. And you start doing, walking. You know, you, and then walking becomes puppet-like as you're doing it. The jaitan has grabbed hold of the body. The mental volition grabs hold of the body and starts, I'm now meditating. Good. Feel the stress. That's meditation. <laughs> Familiar pattern. And if I do this hard enough, long enough goodness I've only got another couple of days but you know while I've got the time crack on with it and you know we'll we'll get to that lovely place somewhere the end you know where it's all boom something happens or I've quietened my mind down you know so then this mental volition activates through thought and then imposes itself on body and then we're doing our meditating, we're doing our breathing, doing our walking, and then wondering whether they're getting it right, comparing it with others, taking some notes, looking into the book, is this okay, is that okay? Uh, and all operating the body from mental volition, or a mental volition that's, that's actually tainted by not being in the body in the first place. <laughs> So we're always operating from somewhere else, some virtual reality in our heads. We're operating the body and even try to operate breathing. So as soon as we start the idea of mindfulness of breathing is something I do, then in comes the doer with various sets of ideas and, 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 um, and so on and imposes them on something. And probably that doer, you know, contains these seeds of uh, not good enough. Therefore, that's what it ends in. Probably with a degree of stress that confirms it's not good enough. Because if you were doing it good enough, you'd be calm by now. You're not calm, so you probably haven't done it right. Right? You haven't done it right, so you try and figure out how to do it right. Okay, let me think. How to do it right? This, 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 that. Perhaps I should try more of that and less of that. Focus here, focus it to it so I can do it right. But I read somewhere else they do it this way. Perhaps I should do that so I can get the right result. Whatever it's called, you give it some technical word, and there we are. You know, and imposing all that onto the body. And what would it be like if the if the mind if we just breathing is but is an involuntary action? Mm. Yeah. So breathing is movement. 
it's an involuntary movement. Much movement is determined, that is, we decide to walk, we decide to eat, we decide to mop the floor. There's a volition, mental volition, that gets it going. You don't decide to breathe. And this is why it is a, you know, is a, is a very good meditation object, because essentially this is a place where the mind could stop. Don't need volition for breathing. Don't need mental intention for breathing. Just enough intention to stay present with it, that's all. So, you know, and then stay present in a way where you feel comfortable and spacious and steady and, you know, you're with it. You, your mind is curious and interested in letting it play through you. Right. So, um, you know, so to, to, you know, in, in the sense of determination is just something to be light around, but enough to I mean just to, to stay with it, really to keep releasing the mental attitudes that generate stress. And perhaps just what we can encourage in our body to open up. Even that is something you do slowly and gently. Curious as to how the the pressures in the body are, and how we can arrive at the place of least pressure. Open that up. Give more attention to the places where we feel least pressure, least discomfort, least tension. Give appropriate attention to the places that are the most easeful and comfortable. This is appropriate, suitable attention, rather than keep attending the places that are painful and difficult and trying to change them, which is what one tends to do. Go to the places that are least uncomfortable. It includes the space around your throat, yeah. the emptiness inside your throat you open your mouth open your throat the emptiness in there pick up the sign what you give attention to becomes greater it amplifies then you found a place that you can meditate from so yeah some kind of mental intention is required but we're really looking for a, a you're looking have the right aim where there's the less stress, where does the mind feel happier, less pushy. And then, you know, bearing that in mind, how does the mind get unhappy? When you start to come from this place you've got to develop it, perfect it, get better at it, make something out of it then what comes in with that? Hmm? You know, be be aware, aware of that, what comes in with that. Could you be so innocent or practice that? You don't have an end result in mind, but just to stay present with this thing and, realize, and it will actually bring around changes by itself. The nature of phenomena, changeable, 
The nature of body energy is it's very receptive, responsive to mental intention. That's how it goes, isn't it? The two are very interconnected. Mental intention and body energy are so interconnected they're almost synonymous, really. So when you walk, okay, you get up and walk and you say, okay, I'm going to do some walking. What, how does that walking happen? How does a thought, right, which is not a physical thing at all, is it? Is it? How does that become a physical thing? <laughs> which we call the body. How does, how does a thought, I'm going to walk to the door, how does that become a physical thing, a physical series of actions. How does that happen? Is the mind, if the mind is separate from the body, how can it affect the body? If it's completely separate. Send an email? What? (laughs) How does the mind affect the body? If it's separate. If it's not separate... Right? Where is it in the body? Is it in your head? How does it affect your legs? <laughs> if it's in your head, you no, know, can you feel the entirety of your head? No, it's not in your head, is it? You don't feel the back of your head, you don't feel your ears, you don't feel your nose, you just feel some kind of tension in your forehead, around your eyes. Maybe it's up there. That's where my mind is. Hmm? Well, how does it get from there down into your feet? (laughs) So it's this quality of, of intention, mental intention, there's a certain contemplate that. So you bring up the idea, I will stand up. As I've suggested, don't just jump up, get the idea, I will stand up and see what happens. What parts light up as that mental intention and the body receives that and it translates it, doesn't it? It translates that notion, that idea, that impulse into a set of engaging actions and it knows what to do. You don't have to say, okay, now let's get down to that muscle in the thigh. No, I think I'll start with the toes. Uncurl the toes, and then stretch the foot, and then slightly energize in your back, and then lift the hip, and you don't have to figure out what to do. It just set up the intention, the body translates it. So there is a doing, which is really just the mental setting up an intention and then relax. Let the body translate that. And it does, as best it can. So who achieved anything? What was right or wrong about it? 
And if you set up the intention to walk to the kitchen, yeah, you set up that intent, then leave it to your eyes and your body to do that. Your eyes look around, door, okay, body walk, set up the intention, door, start moving that way. Right, you don't have to keep thinking, I've got to get to the kitchen, I've got to get to the kitchen. How long does it take to get to the kitchen? Am I, am I supposed to, when, I, when am I supposed to be in the kitchen? Which part of the kitchen? Or should I be in? Um, is it okay to go to the kitchen now or later? But I hurry up and get to the kitchen. So, you know, then you're stressing out. You, you set up the notion, I don't even know where the kitchen is. Open the eyes. Door, it must be the other side of a door somewhere. Open the door, move around, look for signs. Mm. Check around, move around, feeling the body moving. Mm. Mopping the floor. You mop the floor, not to mop the floor. You don't mop the floor in order to get the floor mopped. Mm. You set up the intention, mop the floor, and that translates probably into a series of actions. And just let the body do it. The eyes and the hands and the legs, the body, the whole thing flowing together. Rather than, I've got to get the floor done in 15 minutes. Must make sure I get the floor done before somebody else comes in. Is there a correct way to mop the floor? Mm. Hurry up and get the floor mopped. So you can get to the peaceful bit after you've mopped the floor. When you can really mop on the floor, you can get back to meditation, so get it over with. So you can get calm again. Hurry up, get calm. So you can get to that calm space after you've done this thing that you don't really want to do because it's not calm. Why don't you just mop the floor calmly? <laughs> you know, or that sense of that. I was talking to someone the other day who's been doing a lot of summer to meditation, calming meditation. He had a particular system he liked to use for doing calming meditation. He'd be doing it for many years. And he said, the problem is, you know, I was there, but then I didn't feel quite calm enough, so I went to this other place to, to practice, develop my calm. I thought maybe I should go out and, you know, maybe do some teaching on calm meditation, but which country to teach I wasn't quite clear about. I get a visa here to do that but then I didn't really like the situation there so I moved from that so as I could find a place where I could develop my calming meditation and I thought this person is not calm <laughs> they've been doing calming meditation for 40 years it's not a calm person at all <laughs> where is, where is, where's the right place to practice calm Kuala Lumpur Thailand England, America, where's the best place in monastery, Dharma center, right kind of food to eat so you can get calm, uh, just the right temperature, space, sounds so you can get calm. You're not going to get calm that way, are you? Maybe getting calm is just wherever you are, just get calm. <laughs> in other words, let go of all these mental volitions and intentions and attitudes that are creating problems. Because being calm is some kind of specialized, refined state, somewhere like a tiny little aperture of 
calm that you could maybe get to if everything was exactly right. You could get into that little tiny crack where there's calm. And you'd get right in there. And then you'd be all right. It's right through there somewhere so you can crawl in through to Nibbana at the end of it. <laughs> But you've got to make sure you get the 15 steps to do it, first of all, so you get, then you get more and more stressed. Say, so, well, why don't you just calm down and stop meditating because it's doing you harm. <laughs> Be with the movement, of, with, a, with an open mind, relaxing the mental volition. Use the body to give the mind something to help it. So when you do walking meditation, nowhere to go, no aim, no achievement, just try to feel more completely and thoroughly and, you know, valuing the experience of muscles and sinews and pressures and emptying and flow and energy as this marvelous thing, it's marvellous appearances that arise and suit and cease and move and vibrate and respond to each other, body walking. And that, that sense of this is the movement and the mind becomes increasingly more still about that, more, aha, uh-huh, nothing to do here apart from enjoy. Yeah. So this is often a, a missing piece for people, they get the effort, the determination, the knowledge, the understanding, they don't get the enjoyment. Isn't that what you'd rather like? Wouldn't you like, wouldn't you like that? To be enjoying yourself? Hmm? What, sounds that reasonable? <laughs> So where does that come from? Well, you start with the, begin with the attitude, the perception. This is something that's rather interesting. And there's a particular quality of mind that does enjoying. It receives, handles, sensitizes, feels. Uh, feels something that's non-harsh, non-painful, uh, yeah, non-obstructive. Just feels something that uh, is void of, of stress and, and tension and so on. And because the, you know, then the, the Start with the attitude, niroda, ceasing suffering or dispassion or ease. Uh, Because then if you start with that mental mood and it's light, you know, sometimes I think enjoyment is raving around, you know, jumping up and down. Uh, But this is a quiet enjoyment. It's a sense of warmth, contented. Just to be contented to feel your leg unfold and touch the floor and notice how carefully it supports you and the 
muscles and the sinews line up to get that going. And you don't have to do much apart from appreciate it. This is also an intention, subtle kind of intention, but it's an intention that doesn't infect any stress. And therefore, when you put that in, then because the mental intention affects the body, mental intention that's pushy, stressful, uh, fluttering, agitated, brings around a body energy that corresponds. Hmm. You can't really, the way the intention works in terms of the, of the body is the thought generates an intention which is a heart experience and the body receives that heart experience and translates it into an action. Now if it's receiving an intention that's based upon fear or greed or pressure, it translates that into the body. The body gets tight, gets driven, feels that experiences so that, you know, we begin to more thoroughly recognize that the quality of heart with which we, how we act, is affecting this body in the here and now. It's not karma in the future, you know, or a split second in the future. It's a karma here and now. Um, our mental intention, the quality of it, is received by the body. And then your body energy picks that up and translates it into stress. You know, tension, pressure, obvious forms of stress and lesser forms of stress. Yeah. So one of the, um, so, you know, another form of stress that occurs is when the mind adopts the attitude that it's, tr- it's separate from the body and, you know, it's been, you know, we're not in touch with the body and so then just tells it what to do. Okay, let's get going down there. And then, though, this is, this is putting the intention of, of delusion, ignorance into the body. Body becomes stupid. Numb, clumsy, stumbling, you know, puppet-like, and certainly one can see this in, in uh, particularly in very busy places where people are rushing over their heads, obviously completely up there with ideas and suggestions and notions of what they've got to do and where they've got to go and what's happening in the future. The bodies are just kind of like, you know, you know, it really is sad to see these bodies jerked like marionettes with adrenaline in them, with amphetamines in them, just kind of spasming around and stiff and, and you think there's no grace in the body. The flowing in us has gone. It's just the dumb animal being driven along. Mm. So that affects the body energy. The body just goes stupid like a dumb animal. You know, a dumbed animal. Though this can also be the case, if we didn't decide to make it the way, but the, 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 this fundamental ignorance of the mind being separate from the body made us insensitive, uh, 
discoordinated, dysfunctional, and sometimes, you know, really disrespectful of the body. Yeah. There's no respect for what it takes to move from here to there. It's just get there. Do it. Quick. There's no respect for how it's going to happen. No interest in how it's going to happen. This is the work thing. So, you know, when you explore Jaitana and you start to explore things like precepts and what they mean, they're all trying to continually infiltrate a quality of gentleness, clarity, composure into into our body energy. And so this is what, you know, we cultivate that. We cultivate a loving attitude. These, these definitely, the more you can get right there in your body with them, they infiltrate the body energy, which can be extremely constricted through this dissociation effect, driven effect that the mind has got into. So when we get, but then when we get really there with it, you know, and then find the way the body really operates, the mind becomes quieter, calmer, and you may start to think, oh, it's, now what do I do? What's the next step to do? Mind, things has gone quite quiet. What's the next thing I should do? And the well, next thing to do is just enjoy. That's an action, a subtle intention of just deep appreciation. Uh, you could say it's got flavors of gratitude, uh, warmth, lovingness, receptivity, gratefulness. Ah, how is this? Lengthen, slow down, lengthen, take it in deeper and deeper and deeper. You know, enjoying. What happens when that occurs, that intention, the body starts to, body energy starts to, uh, you know, be affected by that. The effect of this on the body energy, body energy becomes very light and spacious and kind of... um, smooth so the physicality of the body can even kind of disappear or fade into the background because you're just aware of this you know soft spacious inner body energy and so the physicality as that fades and with that the sense sensations of the body also fade and then we're not so in that afflicted state or nervous about pain and so forth because we've found a place where it feels enjoyable and yeah, you know, and appreciative then you know one can be discerning this is this, this is this who is this it's no, no it doesn't belong to anybody this is in the process of movement change yeah, it doesn't belong to anybody it's this and there's the stillness, because whenever there's the ownership, there's the beginning of the end of stillness. When we own something, what do I do with it? How do I keep it going? What should I do next with it? The beginning of volition occurs. <laughs> and if you're relinquishing, I don't know what to do. That isn't relevant. Okay, we need to do something. Well, do something called deeply appreciating 
yeah, and just feel the effects of that. You don't have to, you know, think it. Just feel the effect on the body energy as a, as a form. Now this, this, so this body energy is the continuum. So when the mental energy picks up an intention to do that, trans, the translator of that is the body energy. It receives that impression because these two are not uh, separate. They, they are co co-determinant in terms of our embodiment. Hmm? Right? So a hasty body energy tends to bring around a somewhat hasty mental energy. We get spasms and mind shivers. Yeah? You suddenly rush around and your mind is stirred. Hmm? You do things, something slams and your ears pick that up and your body shivers and your mind jumps. This body energy and the mental energy together produce emotions. So if you know body feels nauseous, the mind feels disturbed and unhappy, we really feel sick. So the emotions are arise from this embodiment experience, and uh, so they then that. Uh, so we so this is means so the more positive emotions affect the body. Loving acceptance, freedom from stress, freedom from aim, freedom from result, freedom from getting it right, yeah, freedom from judgment. These affect it. Body starts to come out from its cage. There is movement and there is stillness. And the stillness, or whatever degree of stillness is, we notice something has stopped. So for discernment, you know, what has stopped? Some degree of suffering has stopped. Some degree of stressing has stopped. And, you know, if you really get a sense of that, probably some bit of me has stopped. Some premise, some assumption, some perceptual basis has stopped. May not have stopped permanently, but for now it's not there. Notice, notice what's not there. Ah, stop. This is the use of wisdom to discern. Dukkha has stopped. There is the knowing of it. it has to be fully known, fully realized. There's the expression. It's to be known and then fully thoroughly known. This little piece has paused anyway. What, who am I now? What's it like to be me now? What's it like? What's the subject like now? Would it be possible to operate from that basis? You know, that piece that stopped, do I need to bring it back? 
if it comes back, you know, can I notice, oh, that one has now begun again. Now I know her. I know that's not really me. That's a perceptual basis, a perceptual piece of karma. And now I know that can stop. And I begin to get a feet, know how that stops. The driven me, the head-centered me, the me that's always trying to get it right, the me that's not good enough. I know what it does in the body. I know if I come into this in my body and this attitude, that little piece releases. It's like the crease comes out when you unfold the sheet. You don't have to cut it out. You just unfold and that twisted up piece isn't there. Hmm?